Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush with Adam Luckett, and it feels like I'm uh, feels like I've been baptized, Luckett, and I'm I'm coming out of the new waters, uh, the boiling hot springs, into some fiery hot takes before Kentucky takes on Tennessee. Uh, feels good to be back. Been 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 taking some time off, hanging out with uh, our second child, and so. Uh, uh, the 11 personnel is going to be my reintroduction back into the take game. Like it. And uh, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be here today. We're glad to have you back. It was a little weird last week. Uh, I think I've missed an episode before, but I don't think you have. So I think that was a first. Yeah. 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 So we, we've each gotten we one off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, you know, twist our arms. But uh, so I might be a little rough around the edges, like forgetting some things, a little slow. I've been just talking baby and like up at weird hours. So I might be a little off my game. Forgive me. Um, what's going to help me get back on my game is some of this here. Oh, no. Where'd I have? Where'd I put? It? Ah, Port Royal Plants. They're our proud sponsors of Live and Personnel. I did the thing like the other day where I went to the zoo um, and had the baby strapped to me the whole time and i'm like oh this is this is no problem walking the zoo you know just a couple miles with a little oh no afterwards we're getting some port royal plants bomb all over the back uh stretch man and even the stretching like i'm just out of it so it was it was a wake-up call for me port royal plants i'll wake you up bluegrass base right there in henry county organic kentucky proud products check out their cbd uh, products today whether it's the bomb that i'm a big fan of they've also got i need to try the epsom salt bath like it i haven't done that yet that might be a treat yourself kind of night at the rice yeah. roush house taylor's uh, done that with uh support royal products yeah at, the, yeah. at our house so, uh, she's a big fan support royal awesome. you do something right visit portroyalplants.com and try it out for yourself today like it i was having this conversation with our producer steven beforehand and i actually think that um, as they say, the bye week came at the right time. Baby really came at the right time because not only was their bye week, but Tennessee is it just it they do something to me like it. And like there's something about the volunteer fans just because they are collectively the dumbest humans to walk planet <laughs> Earth. There's no doubt in my mind that is a truth. And it's something about them. I I, I never met my grandfather. But we shared this feeling. He wouldn't allow you to wear orange in his house. He'd say, get that orange Tennessee bull out of here. You know, like it was very much a hated. Like some people are like that with Louisville, but like, look, we're in Louisville. We're amongst them, you know. So like we know plenty of Louisville fans. And for the most part, you know, they'll go back and forth with you, but they'll eventually come back down to earth. Tennessee fans as a whole are so delusional. And the fact that like, they can only be nothing but jerks at all times. I just have no problem putting them into a big pot and make generalizing them as the worst humans ever. And frankly, it's been healthy for me to not be diving so much into this Tennessee this week because just watching them in that LSU game, I was fuming because they had no business doing what they were doing, it was all self-inflicted mistakes. And look at, I hate how much I've watched this team this year. Um, it's, it's, it might be like a problem I have or like a self-loathing thing where I'm, I'm like the dude on the Da Vinci code who keeps whipping himself. Right. Like <laughs> that's me getting mad watching teams mess up against Tennessee this year, because it's happened a ton where teams are just making stupid, stupid mistakes and inopportune moments. And Tennessee is taken advantage of every single time. Yeah, it's uh, it's created this interesting dynamic here. I think just the opportunity here, I think, is very unique for Kentucky. She came into the year; these teams were kind of, you know, right there. Like you go back to media days, they were 
Who's number two? Is it Kentucky? Is it Tennessee? It's just separated by a few votes, too. I think Kentucky was like a dozen more votes for and second so place. They've got both had transfer quarterbacks year two in the system. Tennessee's kind of taken off like a rocket here with mainly their offense, Hendon Hooker. They've won some close games. I talk about one-possession wins all the time. They've got three of them, the three and in one-possession games. It's kind of allowed them to get to where they are. And now many of their fan base, and rightfully, you know, that you beat Alabama, you're feeling pretty good about yourselves. They, they all think that it's like 52 to 20, <laughs> 48 to 17. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people think this is going to be, you know, they think it's Tennessee's wearing their black jerseys, black helmets for the first time. This is going to be kind of a statement game for the Vols as they go and play Georgia in the biggest game they've had in a long, long time in November. And here comes little old Kentucky with their NFL quarterback, all SEC running back, and mm-hmm. a top 10 defense in two weeks to prepare. And that defense had a sour taste in their mouth at how last year, that game last year went. And it's a game, Kentucky. Thought they should have won. You can go back. There was about five to six key plays in that game that all kind of went Tennessee's way. But that's how football is sometimes. And, you know, you got to give them credit for that. So there's there's all that there. And it just – it has a chance for Kentucky. Like, this is just a great, great, great opportunity. And it's what makes this sport so awesome. Now we'll see if Kentucky can go and finish the deal. But Tennessee's up there on the throne eating grapes. Right, and <laughs> yeah. they they think they, the they got bonds on them. You know they've got a battle. They're getting rested up for this battle next week. And Kentucky's just got a chance to come in here and really stick it to them. And so we'll see if they can do it. And it, we can kind of go through. You, you mentioned you know the ball bounced Tennessee's way in that shootout last year. Uh, that's kind of been the case as I alluded to earlier. The pit game, Keaton Slovis goes out first yeah. half. Um, so they're playing a backup quarterback. Um, have some late breaks in that overtime win. LSU um, can't uh, catch a kickoff to start the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, the LSU one or no, the Go Florida for one. Downs, yeah, Florida one. It was what they had. They went ninety yards in the last minute because they couldn't tackle the dude in the backfield. Like they had like two guys missing and Hooker in the backfield, and you know ninety yard drive to go put up some more points before half. That was a close game. LSU bunch of self-inflicted mistakes and then back to that Alabama game like Jameer Gibbs just give him the ball chew up Tennessee's timeouts they don't run the ball at all Tennessee has enough time to go kick a game-winning field goal in a tie game so the, the, a lot of things have gone their way and to to put the shoe on the other foot it's been kind of the opposite so far this year for Kentucky Kentucky has been that team that has made the dumb mistakes um, they've been the team that didn't have their starting quarterback for a game, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, football gods, karma, whatever you want to call it, we. Dev- I would like to think that some of this is in Kentucky's favor and not just um, the matchup aspect of it, which we'll, we'll get to. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, karma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, if, if anybody, like, like, like it. If anybody has earned it, it's Kentucky against Tennessee. This rivalry yeah. has been such a kick in the groin so many times, even more so than that damn Florida series. Um, and this one's always felt a lot more personal, too. Yeah, just geography's big here, right? You, mm-hmm. uh, for uh, I think you mentioned it. Like To me, the older I get, the more I kind of feel and understand this rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, just because how – the fan bases are the same, but they're not. Like it's there is like <laughs> um, yeah. there's a lot of similarities, but there's also some differences. And I think both of those kind of drive both sides crazy. Um, like their new thing is like the coal mine joke. I mean, like 
Is there not ten, aren't there coal mines in Tennessee? Like, am I missing <laughs> something here? Like, oh. I'm totally, that, that, that's like, don't they have mountaintop removal in Tennessee? Like, what's like, right. what, am, what am I missing here? Um, <laughs> so, I, uh, I, I, yeah, it's just again, like Tennessee, they love to shove it in Kentucky's face, right? Yeah, yeah. they love to sh- like even when they were down, that was the one thing they always had, and they always went to Kentucky's got a chance here to really shove a big one in their face. Well, they can go there. And, like, Nick, if you win this game, I know, like, the season had all these crazy expectations. Yeah. No matter what, win or lose, you probably – odds are you're not hosting Georgia for the SEC East. Mm -hmm. But you win here, season's a success. A success. I can't say that word this week. But it's a a (laughs) roaring success this this year. Because then you're playing with, you know, kind of – not necessarily house money, but you can get on, like, kind of cruise control. Here at the end of the year, and you can kind of bask in the glory of this Tennessee win, um, which if is you can get it. It's like 2017 when you 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 know people think of that season so highly because you ended it by beating Lamar Jackson as a 27 and a half point underdog, right? What do we know what the number is now? What's what is, is it 11 or so? 12 and a half at all books uh, as of really noon I, today. Thought it might go down even more. I, I thought I was going to steal 13 and a half a week ago, but and. It also goes back to like it. Uh, you were talking about time and place. Back in 07, the, Kentucky had the chance to keep Tennessee out of the SEC championship game, right? Eric Ainge comes to town. You, you've been battered and beat up um, after a hot start. That would have been a chance to really end the season with an exclamation point. Lone receiver gets his field goal blocked in yeah. overtime number two. They end up losing in four OTs. That was the game I learned to hate Tennessee. I was sitting in the end zone close to that stupid band playing that stupid song. And that one, that one cut me real deep. This is, this is your chance to really be the Lucy to their Charlie Brown, right? Like this is a great opportunity to come get them back. And look at, I, the thing is, as much as people want to talk about Tennessee's offense, I actually really like the way that Kentucky's defense matches up with them. Is it fair to say that Kentucky's defense is the best that they've faced this year? Yeah, I think – well, the way Kentucky plays defense, I think, is more suited to – because they're going to keep everything in front, right? It's their most difficult matchup-wise. Kind of yeah, they're going to make – like, Nick, I'll be very surprised if Jalen Hyatt is running free on a switch release down the scene. You know, like – Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's <laughs> – like, I don't think they're going to get him matched up with, you know, the uh, safety – well, I mean, not that'll happen sometimes, but I don't see that happen again and again and again. Um, I think Kentucky, similar to how Florida played them, like they're going to make Tennessee earn scores. You know, Tennessee. I think they gave Florida gave up a couple bombs in that game, but you look at all of Tennessee's touchdowns; they were all they all had to they had to finish in the red zone. And Pittsburgh was kind of the same way. Um, I think that's kind of the path for Kentucky. Do not let Tennessee get some cheap scores. And then offensively, if you can put a couple 10-play drives together, you can shrink the game, make this a 10-possession type game. And you get talking into, if you get like a turnover, on uh, any type of turnover or turnover on downs against Tennessee, then all of a sudden you're in a game where 31, 34 points could win in regulation. And I think that's kind of the recipe for Kentucky. But the big thing is just do not give up the bombs. And we saw that was big last year. They scored on the, you know, you miss a tackle on a little screen. Mm-hmm. Score on a 75 yard or 72 yard touchdown because they get matched up. Their slot receiver gets matched up with a linebacker. That cannot happen. Um, and then they score. They busted a 37 yard run. I think that's three touchdowns over 35 yards. You cannot. You got to make them earn their scores. And they're great in the red zone, yes, but you have to make make them earn it because if they're having to earn their score those scores, then they're having to run more plays. Then there's less possessions, and I think. If there's less possessions, that's playing into Kentucky's hands. Yeah, and um, there was something you mentioned, too, when we were going back uh, about a month ago or so preparing for another big road trip at Ole Miss. Uh, The tempo and the looks. Like, Carrington Valentine last year, when he was getting roasted a lot, I know Stoops doesn't like, you know, this is a different team, but, like, they learned a lot in that game last year. And that was the first time they had ever seen and had to face 
teams truly out on an island when they're split. And we talk about splits, Tennessee's receivers line up, what, five yards from the sideline. They, they're, they're not close. They, they try to use space as much as they possibly can. Um, Kentucky got a lot of looks they had never seen before last year. They've upgraded in the secondary. And then this year they faced some of this tempo before, right? And right. in that game was all about weathering that early storm. And the defense did. The defense did what they had to to win. It was the offense that didn't come through and had, you know, three scoring opportunities late, and they just didn't get anything out of them. Turnover on downs, turnover, turnover. It feels like this is a pretty similar game, just with a much more efficient, talented quarterback that really can uh, like it just be as aggravating and as frustrating as possible. Because not only is he efficient, he's not going to make a ton of mistakes throwing the football, where he really, really is going to aggravate me is his ability to shake off tacklers, right? Like, he's a big dude, and I don't remember him. Was he that big in the belt ball? I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. He, like he, he felt like a skinny, scrawny little guy, and now he's just throwing dudes off and then running 30 yards down the field. Yeah, I thought Bill Connolly had an interesting stat regarding that. Tennessee ranks, I think, second in the FBS and scramble yards. So that's pass play, breaks down. Quarterback runs around like Nick's talking about there with Hendon Hooker. Um, I'm pulling that, that number up right here. Um, they average 42.6 run yards on scrambles, which is fifth in the FBS. Florida ranked third, but they Anthony Richardson just got just four yards against Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky overall allows just 12.7 scramble yards per game. So, like, Kentucky has been very good against quarterbacks that try to get out of pocket and make plays with their legs. They've been a very good tackling team. They've been a very good team defense team, so everybody kind of in their right spot doing their job. So, for me, I think that's – that's like, if he's having to move around and scramble a lot, I think that's probably a good thing, right? If he's scrambling, that means he's not throwing the ball deep to me. Um, and that's what that's the most dangerous thing they do. That really, what you want to you kind of want to force them to run the ball, but you need to be able to be efficient in stopping it. Uh, and if you can do that, I think you could have a good chance. To me, like the the, the front is huge in this game. Like Justin Rogers, Deion Walker, mm-hmm. Square, and uh, however Kentucky yeah. decides to fit the run, that's huge. Um, because when they really get you in trouble is when they get that balance and they can get that play action game going and maybe catching you, trying to sneak a guy into the box to stop the run and throw it over your head. So that that, that is very important. But overall, I'm just like, how does Brad White match up this year? Like, what are the, what are the wrinkles we see from him off the bye week? Um, do they go maybe to more like, do we see six, seven DB packages? Like how, does he, how does he incorporate? Because you, like, Walker, you want Walker, Wright, Weaver, Square on the field, right? How do you keep them on the field, but maybe get into more DB packages? All that kind of stuff will be something I'll be paying attention to. And then you mentioned the tempo. Like Kentucky held up well against Ole Miss's ground game. Mm-hmm. I think it's a prom- promising sign going into this game. Right. But it's all about the early haymaker. Yeah. Josh Heupel's got 15, 18 plays he wants to run early in the game. He damn near. He damn near. I think he scored twenty one points off those fifteen plays last year. You know, you did. Kentucky didn't see the full script until they got into the second quarter, in my opinion, uh, with what he wanted to do. This year, it's all about. We saw them take a punch early against Ole Miss. Settle in. That's what they're going to score. One of those first two possessions. After that, it's just settling in. And when they do score, make them go down nine, ten play drive. Make them earn a touchdown. And then once you do that, I. You can kind of settle in and just play football from that point, but it's going to be big, like just not falling in a hole early in this game. Yeah, or or at least one that's not too insurmountable, right? Um, yeah. Or you know, it, it, it's a beating a dead horse here too, but it's making them score points, making them score field goals, kicking field goals instead of scoring easy touchdowns off explosive plays. Um, this defense has done a good job of bending, not breaking. And as you alluded to before, they've done a good job of tackling well in open space. Uh, that was the key to winning against Mississippi State, and that's exactly what uh, Kentucky did, which, yeah, I didn't get the chance to really bask in that victory. That was nice, like it. That was a good, uh, that was a good like, okay, we're bouncing back. We're, we, we've got our swag back here. Um, maybe I, I think you'd have to say more so than the offense 
than anything, right? Because it's been a while. I, I, I still still don't really know what to make of this offense. I like that last second half, but they, they kind of did some of the same old, same old in that first half against Mississippi State where it was, oh, this is really promising. This looks good. Oh, let's shoot ourselves in the foot. Oh, let's make another big mistake. So uh, we wanted to see that momentum carried over from the Florida game and the next game running the ball. Didn't happen. You, you want to see that momentum from the second half of Mississippi State carry over in spite of the bye week because, look, it is desperate as this team needed a bye week. Um, we all know that bye, the game after the bye week has, has not never – it's never really been kind to to Mark Stoops' Kentucky football teams. Yeah, that's true. Uh, five and seven outright, three and nine against the spread. But there's a big button here. They've never really had a game like this to look forward to off the bye. You know what I'm saying? Like what the only one, only thing comparable to me would have been 2014 going to Louisville at the end of the year. It's kind yep. of like a big opponent that you're ready to play a rivalry type game, and they went and played one of their best games of the season that year. And so, if it and covered a, as a double digit dog and had a great chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. Um, so if if Kentucky can do that again, I think. There's something to believe in. But if you believe in trends and all that, yeah, the trends are not promising. But then at the same time, they're all, they they play their best games as underdogs. Yeah. They've won half of their 14 games. Since October 2019, they've been a dog in 14 games, and they've won seven of them. It's pretty good. Like, that's just – this is when they're at their <laughs> – this is yeah. when they're at their best. Um, so, we'll see what they can do. And they've and since 2018, they've won four games outright as a dog of a touchdown or more. So, it's not like – they had. It's not like these. They're just pulling off upsets. It's two, three, four point dogs. Um, there's been some significant spreads. A couple double digit ones in there. Most notably, for, uh, little, or excuse me, Florida in 20, 2018. Mm-hmm. So they, which was 13, 13, 13 and a half was that spread. So it's right around what this Jesus. is. So, so they've done this before, and so it's we'll see if they can, they can do it again. But yeah, to the offense on your point on that offense, Nick, like. Like even against Mississippi State, there's just a lot on Will Levis' plate, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they decided, all right, Flax is out of here. We're gonna get like my biggest frustration in that game was like Rich, like pass the ball on first down. Like, come on, like you're getting way too high. You're getting by. You know, you're getting in too many third downs, predictable situations. But Levis just kept making plays. Yeah. Yeah. On on third down. Um. Now we'll see this week. Like Tennessee sells out like a. All they're all in on stopping the run. Those linebackers are coming downhill. They're coming on run blitzes. They'll play three 300-pounders at one time on the line of scrimmage. They want to stop the run. Um, and that's what Kentucky wants to do. And the, you got to think this game plan is going to be a lot of 24, running the ball with efficiency, moving the chains, yada, yada, yada. But the real weakness is this Tennessee secondary. So you're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, to me, what does that look like? Like, how do they take advantage of that aggressiveness? How do they – kind of scheme this up because there's no getting around like Levis has to have a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. To win to win Saturday. And you got to lean on him to make plays and these receivers to make plays because they're going to get man coverage, going to get one-on-one and you go back to 2020. The reason Mark Stoops changed his offense was because Kentucky could not beat press man coverage. The, the thing with this offense is it should make it pretty. They should have to find ways to, beat this pretty easy and to get chunk chunk yardage if teams want to play you like that so that's let's see let's see that kind of play out and here's the thing too like it is i'm 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 excited and also worried about our guy barry on brown because he is uh i don't how do how do i put this he strikes me as the type of guy who really wants to stick it to tennessee (laughs) <laughs> because they 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 desperately want him and but it was almost like they didn't really recruit him at the time like it was a very odd relationship between the two and now you know they, they would love they're going to be talking on Saturday how he needs to come there out of the portal but I, the the thing I worry about though it's kind of like the South Carolina game where he was almost trying to do too I just I just don't want him to do too much because I think he can be as awesome as he was in that Ole Miss game uh, and earlier on in the season. 
it's just I, I just don't want him to try to do much. Let the game come to you, Barryon, and you're going to make your plays. You're going to run by some dudes. Just make the routine. Um, it, Dane, I'm, I'm something about him makes me lead me to believe he's a gamer. Uh, do we know? Do we have a good sense on if Tavion Robinson will be available or not? Yeah, they've pretty much said like he like Will Levis wouldn't say it yesterday. Um, like it was kind of like coach speak. Like it's good to have him back out there. We'll see, but you know it's kind of trending in the right direction. Mark Stoops wouldn't say it specifically, but he kind of alluded to it, and then Barryan kind of went, on, "Yeah, it was good to have him back out there." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah he's playing, good. and then they think Flax Flax. It sounded like Flax maybe isn't practicing. This is just me kind of reading the, in between the lines, um, but it sounded like he's trending towards playing maybe that he's limited in practice but they, i think they think he's gonna play but tavion it sounds like for sure is gonna be out there on that's, saturday great to hear um and i believe this is going to be the return of cedric tillman as well for tennessee uh we'll see they've been very weird about that about that kind of in, like hypo you all think stoops is bad hypo like it's very very vague about injury news and uh, we'll see um like he had a high ankle sprain nick and you know how those are Mm-hmm. He went and had the Tua surgery, and it's just he hasn't been able to practice. It's kind of what I've seems like I've discovered until he practices. Tennessee's not going to let him play until he practices. So um, that's what it kind of smells like. Um, so if we don't know, like mm-hmm. if we don't hear anything of it, like him practicing this week, to me, he's probably yeah, he's probably going to be out another game. Um, but if he does play, I, I, I'm interested to see how that kind of maybe balances the scales. Well, yeah. junk, if it could junk up their operation at all, because they got such a good rapport going with Hooker and Hyatt, and Tillman was such kind of like their target monster before. Like you turn on the pit game, I think Tillman had like 15 targets. Um, they were looking to him a lot, right. and he was one on one with MJ Devonshire a ton in that game. Um, Devonshire won some, and he also lost some. Uh, like, does that mess up their rhythm at all? That would be some. That'd be something I would be. I'll be watching if he's playing, but. Um, it seems like it's very much 50-50 for him at the moment. Interesting. Interesting. That's been a uh, Pete Thamel Saturday yep, morning. Saturday scoop, yep. We'll every, know early, yeah. We'll know. Every game day morning, there's uh, you know, he has, has a bunch of tweets ready to roll out during college game day, and it's they've been targeting that Kentucky game for a while. It's going to be – it's going to be odd because Herm Street is on the call for this game. This is the this is the first time he's ever called a Kentucky game, right? Yeah, in my lifetime for sure. Yeah, like I because and he wasn't even was he calling? He wasn't always calling games either. Too that was a mm-hmm. like well, he uh, used to, they used to do the Thursday night game, the game day crew. Like it used to be him and Lee Corso. Like when we were in high school, it was him, Lee right. Corso, um, and Fowler. I think Fowler. they called the Thursday night game. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, he, they caught a bunch of Louisville games. Like I think they were on the call for Louisville, Florida State, like the rain game, the Louisville, Devin Hester, Miami game. I think yes. Yeah. So they they did Thursday night games for for a long like a long time, and then like it's new like ten years or so. I mean he's been doing this a while, but right, he's right, been doing right. these prime time games. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's a again. This is the third week. Kentucky's on like if they're not the number one game, they're the number two game of the weekend, and in each Kentucky, Florida. Kentucky Ole Miss, now Kentucky Tennessee. It, it's the game in that window. Like yeah. it was the noon window, mm-hmm. the first week, and it was a seven o'clock ESPN window against Florida. And now against Tennessee, it is the it's the game that people mm-hmm. are watching. Yeah, the like prime it's, a pro, it's a potential is... program elevating kind of moment if you can go down there and get a win against the number three team with everybody watching. You got an NFL quarterback people know about. Yep, man, it's exciting. Uh, and so let's. What what does that look like, Luckett? Like, uh, I would give Kentucky, if you look at a lot of the power rating graphics stuff, like it's usually between somewhere between a 25, 20 to 30% chance of victory for Kentucky. I'd put it a little bit higher um, just because I feel like the the ceiling is, is higher with Chris Rodriguez and Will Levis both back and healthy, and we haven't seen it a lot. So those numbers aren't necessarily baked in. So I think it's somewhere between a 30 and 40% chance for a Kentucky win. But if you were to lay out a – like, here's here's the plan. Here's the best way for here, – here's the recipe for a Kentucky upset. What is it, Adam Luckett? Yeah. Um, do not get in a situation like last year where they've scored 21 points in 10 plays. Like, survive the early wave. Settle in. 
then it's like you have to find a way. If you're not, you don't necessarily have to be win the turnover margin, but you have to be like, you have to, your turnovers have to be like. Arm putts. Instant flip. (laughs) Well, well, I'm talking about your takeaways. Like the take, like the, like they, the teams were split last year, but Tennessee got the pick six, right? So it was totally different than Kentucky's Mm -hmm. turnover. Or if you get a key, I, I would throw like key situational turnover downs in this. You have to get like some big plays, whether it's a red zone turnover on downs for Tennessee, or you get them like a fumble when they're backed up, give your offense a short field. You have to find way, ways in a turnover to kind of tilt this game your way. Um, and then offensively, it's going to be all be about finishing drives this week, Nick. They're going to move the ball on this Tennessee defense. Going to have success. Um, but what Tennessee's been – they've been really good at two things, stopping the run and getting stops backed up. On their side, on the wrong side of the fifty for them. So for Kentucky, it's all going to be about finishing drives and being smart about how they go about it. Because Tennessee's gotten a lot of people in trouble because teams roll the dice and get out of character on fourth down with some of their situations because they catch themselves trying to play out of character against right. what, an offense they're scared of. So for Kentucky, you just them. got right. like early, like the best thing Saban did. I thought early in that game was just like kick that field goal. You know, and that's what Billy Napier didn't do that. And that kind of cost yeah. Florida later in the game. Like, you cannot, especially early in this game, just get points, just settle in, play football, let the chips fall where they may, and then figure it out. Um, like, and we heard Stoops this week kind of talk about it. It seems like he really regrets how he handled the end of that first half last yeah. year. Yeah. And I thought he did the right thing. Like, they went to their best player twice on third and fourth down, both manageable situations, and – the first one was behind him, could have been caught, should have been caught. The second one was a drop, and he slipped. Like, those are two plays Wondell Robinson made all year last year, and he just didn't make them in that critical spot. And then it gives Tennessee – I mean, it's a six-point flip right there. And it's potentially, you know, Kentucky could have kicked the field goal, went up three, scored a touchdown on a half, they're up ten. And then Tennessee's chasing two possessions the rest of the half. Um, and they had really no success stopping Kentucky all game. And so that – you know, I think he kind of – so how does he kind of handle just the game management aspect of this? But and we heard Rich Gangarello talk about it. it's all about – it's about points per possession this week. It's about finishing drives. And can they finish? See, and that that's score. where – That's the question. Yeah, that's a huge question. Can they, like, can they do it? What? But they did it last – like, the thing is, I if you got them in the room, they would be like, well, we've been able to finish drives since we've gotten 24 back here with Will. We just yeah. haven't seen it a lot. But weren't there what four first half possessions against Mississippi State that got inside their ter- own territory, right? Like, and they just only got three points out yeah, of it. Penalties. I mean, yeah, penalties kill them. Yeah, just don't be dumbasses. Finish drives. Like that is that is the entire the biggest difference between Liam Cohen and Rich Kangarello's offense is year one to year two. Obviously, it's you've got cash cows. You're spreading the ball around a lot better. Um, you had Chris Rodriguez all last year. But personnel aside, where the production comes down to, it's all that red zone efficiency. Kentucky's still pretty darn good at converting good third downs. Yeah. But there's they've been they were they were outstanding at finishing drives last year. And it's been horrible this year. It's just been downright pathetic. And it doesn't look as bad as it could be because it's not always the the drives are stalling out in the red zone, right? It's like around the 35 or 40 yard line. But you're still in scoring territory. Mm-hmm. They've got to turn those into touchdown scoring drives. Like that is that is what this whole thing is about because I do have enough faith in this defense to stymie Tennessee quite a bit. You know, I, I don't think things are going to come as easily as they have before. I think Kentucky can successfully make this a limited possession game, but they got they got to make the most out of those possessions. They do. They cannot leave points off the scoreboard. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Uh, CFB graphs has kind of got a metric for that. They're 45th nationally in like creating score either – scoring opportunity or scoring on an explosive play, um, but they're 87th in points per scoring opportunity. Nick. Yeah, um, so, so like what you're saying is right now, and where Tennessee's defense is what I'm talking about, um, they're 113th in giving up scoring opportunities, um, but their defense is 13th in points per scoring opportunity. So they're just getting all – like they're waiting until they get backed up to get their stops. Um, so they're they're giving you, giving you a room, room to operate. Um, but another key to this game to me, Nick, is like field position. Against LSU, 
in Tennessee, field position was such an advantage for Tennessee early in this game to build an early lead. Um, they got to play with short fields, and they got to get up, and they got to set the tone of the game and the tempo of the game. Kentucky cannot. We've seen it be kind of an issue with the kicking game and whatnot. They cannot let them flip the field. Like, if Kentucky gets backed up, they got to get first downs, get out of there, and get a good punt off at least. Um, and you've got to – you've got, your offense can't put your defense in bad situations. We've talked about it a lot. They've done it consistently. Mm-hmm. And, and how about this? Do not give up points in an SEC game that aren't directly tied to your defense. Yeah. Florida, you know, you give them a shoot, you give them a bread zone possession, and you give them two points off a of snap. Okay, you yep. go to Ole Miss, a safety, miss PATs, miss PATs, miss field goals. Uh, you go to miss field goals are going to happen, but yeah, all right, the PATs and all that. Uh, you go to um, South Carolina, <laughs> you run the reverse. You give, you know, really, you almost gave South Carolina fourteen points off the bat. You had the fumble reverse, and you had the block punt. You only gave up seven, so you could have been worse there. And then you go to Mississippi State, pick six. Like it's special teams and it's offense. They cannot give up cheap points to Tennessee. Last year, that's what cost them the game. You could say the biggest impact of the game was that pick six. Uh, and you cannot. That cannot happen in this game. No. You cannot give a, give away points. You need to be the team that if any team steals points, it needs to be you in this matchup to have to have a legit chance to go win this game. Yeah, and uh, going back to your question to Stoops a few weeks ago about special teams, like you need to have a good special teams game, even if it's just, or not, just not a disastrous one, right? Like none of those, uh, like Max Duffy at Georgia shank putt. Like just hey, just play sound. Like yeah. you don't need to be miracle workers. Now it would be awesome I, it, if you could what, get a Barry on Brown miracle worker, right? Yeah. Like that. That's the kind of play that that flips the momentum uh, at for an underdog. And gets the stadium a little bit nervous. You yeah. can make a difference in special teams. Well, this guy, Paxton Brooks, Nick, their punter, has punted 14 times this year. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, he hasn't been able – He has, he nine were in the first three weeks. So since middle of September, he's punted five times. Once against Alabama. Sheesh. He hasn't got a lot of work. Like, if you had a punt block in this week – Time to unleash it because you know they just haven't seen you know, that group hadn't seen a lot of action. Um, it's like so Max Duffy would, at Cardinal Stadium, right? And he's just not not doing a whole lot. So this that would be the time for it. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky. Everybody's focused on the return, right? With Barry and Brown, mm-hmm. even Robinson. Maybe they try to steal one with a pump block this week. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. It yeah, it would just bring so much joy to my heart if Kentucky was able to steal one from Tennessee because it really would wreck their dreams and it would also make this game a rivalry you know like even though Kentucky's been able to rattle off a couple wins under Stoops um, that game in 2018 was devastating you know like you you had everything going for you that was their worst team in forever and you still let them beat you like this is a game uh, 2019 the Lynn Bowden like fourth and one and he just gets tackled right you know right there about it and I can't remember that linebacker's name now um, that was Batuli, a freaking, Daniel Batuli. Batuli, yeah. Just you just ate tackles for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like you've been so close over the last decade, and you've had a better record than them, but they keep beating you. Like it making this a rivalry, I think, is very important. And this this gives you a lot of rivalry capital, right? Like th- this would go a long way in oh, so you, you got rid of that Alabama curse. Well, now you got a Kentucky one on you. <laughs> Yeah, it's just this is college football is great for these moments because the best thing college football has, in my opinion, is the rivalries. Mm-hmm. And a good thing about rivalries is like when your when your opponent has a dream season, you could be the one that 
can end it, right? Pitt, 17-6 against West Virginia. Right. Yeah, so, like, you know. they, ha- they have it. Or not even just end it, but, like, say a team has a really good season going and it just takes some shine off of it because you lost yeah. to school down the road or whatever. Kentucky's got a great chance here to really kind of Tennessee on the up and up and just kind of stick it to them. And it would in their house in a big window. Um, it could be a program elevating type of win yeah. for Kentucky. It'd, it'd be um, the biggest story in college football that week, this weekend, mm-hmm. without a it's, doubt. And so if they can do that, um, like they just it would be it would be so good on so many fronts. It would give it would create so much buzz and juice. I think for the program, we talk about like you need that re- signing day is like coming fast. Less than get two a quick, Get a quick bump before that you know that that arrives, and you can potentially closer on. Like it could just have a lot of a lot of good vibes, and then like then it's really setting you up where you could host Georgia for game day, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're probably going to be eight and two. It might not be for the East, but they could be undefeated. You could be in the top ten, and then you could play spoiler again, yeah. in a couple weeks, and so that's that's on the table. Go uh, go spend New Year's in the Big Easy. So uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. all. Like it's, it's all, all it's on the table. table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just go down there, shock the world at Tennessee. We will be happily dancing on their graves and their stupid black uniforms if that is the case. Um, but there's also we, we got to bring up something that's could be kind of morbid, but um, <laughs> look, it it feels like there's um, the the Mark Stoops name in the coaching carousel is going to start churning up once again. And um, I know for the longest time we felt that last year was probably the biggest threat to him leaving. Um, but his name is is firmly in the mix at Nebraska once again. Now, now granted, like this is the part of the, like Nebraska, you, you fire your coach, you have your initial reaction. This, but it's it's a long time before they're hiring a guy. So then you, you get like the second round of names, and that's where Stoops has been generated. His name has come up. Yeah, I think obviously the Big Ten West type of fit with Nebraska could make sense. Um, our Nebraska on three side is reporting that he's kind of a legit candidate here. Um, and you're going to hear all the kind of like Nick cookie cutter reasons. Yeah. Football, ver- football school versus basketball school. Yep. Nil money. He's still not making $8 million uh, recruiting. <laughs> Reasons, uh, yeah. NIL, all of that. So I think you just people need to be ready for that. Um, I don't think he's going to Nebraska. Uh, now no. Iowa's a different story. Like, that's yeah. the one yeah. I think you would have to watch well, out for. I, I think the the Polini, the the relationship he has with them, I think that kind of disqualifies Nebraska. But man, after Iowa took a licking at um, Ohio State. I gave you all the unders in my pick three pick. I ended up just taking Ohio State in the points and never had a doubt that they were going to they were going to cover in, class, in true Roush fashion. Yeah, yeah, uh, I flip flopped at the last minute. Big surprise. Um, but uh, after the game, they had that quote that's kind of going around about how classy he was, and, uh, and Kirk Friends had a, he sounded really defeated. He's like, "Well, it could be worse. I could be you guys, you know." Like it, it definitely. Like he's going to be forced to fire his son, and he might just or, retire. Or retire, yeah, yeah. Like he might just retire instead, and that job, like it, it doesn't feel like it's as far. I mean, they were second ranked in the country for a long time last year, right? Like they already have a lot of good pieces. You can just go get some offensive ones in the transfer portal. Yeah, um, it's home, so, and like, and it's still the Big Ten West where. Um, there's a scenario for a seven-way tie um, to, to finish the season. It's also home to Brett Bielema, too. Yeah. He's in that division. He might be about to win it at Illinois. I could, By the know. way, there was some bold projections of Brett Bielema versus yeah. Mark Stoops in Tampa, and I I, I'm, I wanted to just get in a room with those two. Yeah, can we lock that in right now? <laughs> yeah. Like I just, let's go to Ybor City, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um. Yeah, the, you might see the, the coaching staffs might uh, cross paths there there in Ebor City if that <laughs> if that were to happen. Um, I uh, like here's the thing with this, you know, like I think you very much see this play out as 
leverage, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. negotiation leverage. Um, with Iowa, it's just one to watch. Like he's been at Kentucky ten years. Does he just want to change? You know, it's, right, right, right. It's Iowa special to him. All that Nebraska, like it's just I don't. I, that's a I rebuild. Don't the, that, I don't, that's well, like Nebraska's got a lot going for it. It's in the right division in the Big Ten. It's in a big, you know, a bit like being in the Big Ten SEC matters. I think moving forward, but there's just a lot, a lot of stuff there you got to get through and siphon through. Where more like Iowa's more turnkey to me. Like next yeah, coach yeah. can go in there and you know they are they have it kind of set what what it is and how they operate. Where Nebraska well, it's a lot of moving parts. See, in in Nebraska feels more like a like you've already done that at Kentucky. You know how hard it is. Do you really want to go through that again? Do yeah, or really- do you, like do you or do you want to leave? Like essentially, he's got to ask himself: Does he want to leave? Where he's got the same, like literally the same possibility as of right now, to like win a division title and potentially get in the playoff. Now I think that calculus changes when divisions are scrapped in the SEC. Right. And right. nine game schedules are here. It gets a lot to me. It just gets a lot harder here at Kentucky when that happens. But as is right now, it sounds like Texas and Oklahoma aren't coming for a while. If they're not coming for a while, that means I think divisions are going to stay for a couple years. You got a really good recruiting class. You might yeah. want to see that through. You, you know, know, and it, yeah, you've kind of got things cooking here. It sounds, you know, um, doing a little digging. They feel con- like, and Rich talked about this last week. They feel confident that they're going to get a good quarterback. And mm-hmm. so, and they've got, like, you look at their roster, Nick, next year and the next two years, they're in shape to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as bad as that offensive line was early, like, I think they're all going to be back. I mean, they can all be back. Bring them all back. Everybody but uh, Tayshon. Tayshon's. Yeah, he's the only one that can't come back. Yeah. Yeah. But so. you get Horsey back, and then, like, there's a blueprint where you could get that offensive line where it's not going to be one of the better units in the SEC, but it could be middle of the pack next year pretty easily, I think. If you find, if Flax develops just a little bit more and you can find a t- quality tackle, mm-hmm. there's a path there to competent play. And then you can, you know, like, you're going to have depth, I think. Yeah. Uh, with DeAndre Buford playing some, Keontae Goodwin should be ready to contribute at some level next year. And so there's some options there. It's And then on defensive side, like, Nick, they can return. You know, they're going to lose square, and that's going to be a huge loss. They're going to lose right, and that's going to be a huge loss. But they could get J.J. Weaver back, you know, year three for Trevin Wallace potentially. You know, that whole second, you know, Keedron Smith, they're going to have to find another corner, but you can really talk yourself in that secondary, like Carrington Valentine, Jordan Lovett, Alex Safari. Yeah. There's a lot of pieces there. And so, you know, if you can keep, you know, keep you need to keep Brad White around for another year. Um, because Saturday quietly could be like the Brad White moment. Like that right. could be the, the moment where people win or lose, I think. If they go out and play well against that Tennessee offense, mm-hmm. everybody's going to be like, who is that guy? Yeah. That's yeah. a guy Brian Kelly wanted hired at LSU last year. Is that right? Like, what? What? What is his? What do we need to know about him? No more about him. Um, and so that that could that's going to be a key too. So, yeah, I mean that's but he's just got a lot going for him. It's going to take something special to leave. Like to me, I don't see him. You would think at least that he would want to leave for a place you can go in. Like a Brian Kelly situation at LSU. Go in. Yeah. You you. There's a blueprint to win a national championship there and. Like in a four, like a four or five year period, you could get there. Um, and more, t- it's easier to get talent and all of that. And so, that's what I see. But I do think they probably want some more financial backing. The NIL stuff. We know Kentucky's kind of drug their feet on mm-hmm. that, but they're also dealing with those whatever. Like I don't think much is going to come of these Chris Rodriguez violations. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you saw this. Cleavon Thomas is at Montana State. Started every game and now he's suspended by Montana State um, indefinitely for hmm. for the they're calling it a compliance issue at his previous school. So he was also involved. So I don't know if what's going on there. So there's huh. a lot. There's been a lot of change here at Kentucky in the last year or so for Stoops. Yeah. So prepare yourselves for the the coaching. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, just get ready for a while. Probably two weeks after. The Kentucky Louisville game, just uh, yeah, with signing day and all of that, it's just gonna, or yeah, 
football we'll season will be dying at that point. For sure. If I'm if I'm I'm putting my pushing my chips to Brad White if that if that does happen. Oh yeah, right, you, right. Yes, I'm I'm already on that train. <laughs> I, I think it's a pretty easy decision, personally. Yeah, and even without the head coaching experience, I know folks are scarred by the Joker Phillips stuff, but uh, Brad White is different. A head. This coach. is different. This is sure. so much different. Just trust um, me. Yeah, and I know that sounds bad, but like, I mean, Joker's a career position coach for a reason. You know, like I think part of their they just wanted to keep him from going to Oklahoma, so they gave him the coach and waiting thing. That was just, that was just in hindsight, decision. yeah, I, uh, just a bad decision on Mitch Barnhart's, and that and that's the thing too. Coach and waitings don't happen anymore. Like they just don't. And, we just didn't know. Like at that time, they were the only ones, but people just didn't realize those were te- that was terrible an idea. Head coach <laughs> um, none of those worked out. Uh, no, it just it was just a bad idea at that. Back then, but that's just you know you live and learn type thing with that. But I, I would, I would feel confident in Brad White making that that jump right away. I, I would, and it, and it would keep a lot of the momentum kind of going in the right direction as well. Um, you could still keep Rich around, you know, like a lot of the yeah. It could be a period of instability, and I think it would keep the ship kind of moving in the right direction if that does get to fruition. But you know what? We don't got to worry about that for now. Just got to worry about kicking Tennessee's ass on Saturday. Look at. I can't. I just. I, I. I probably won't sleep at all Saturday night if they do win. Um, it's just going to be, uh, you know, all nighter with Frank. Um, he can hang out with me. We can have some bottles That's, together. It's uh, a night like it's what Twitter is made for. No, oh, just scrolling through meltdowns. Oh, and yes. going through the Tennessee matches because, like, they really are. They. They. They act like it's still 2006 online, and you can just be as hateful as you want and say. I mean, they they do not have any sense or whatever on their trash talk. They're just nasty, and so to just piss on their graves would be it would give me so much joy. Yeah, and just the uh, the balls are back memes that Kentucky <laughs> fans could throw out would just be incredible. Oh man, well it's it's felt good to get back. I appreciate all the kind words from all of our listeners out there who congratulated me on the new the new baby boy. So we're we're excited here at the Roush House. We're Figuring things out uh, little by little, um, but excited for for Saturday night. Should be a good one. Um, excited to throw some more Port Royal plants on my back, to, carrying this kid around all the time. Um, really need it. So check them out, portroyalplants.com. And as always, subscribe to our YouTube if you have not yet. Subscribe Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, let's go get this W. All right, go Cats, beat Tennessee, and go Kroger. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.